When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And Watson. Unfortunately, Gary is not with us tonight. He's uh, eventually moved in um, after six months of me saying he's moving in. He is now moved in, but now unfortunately has no internet. So I'm doing this on my own for one week only, hopefully. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about uh, managerial merry-go-rounds. Obviously, being Sunderland supporter, we've once again lost a manager, this time in controversial circumstances. So to join us is uh, Melissa Rowell. Melissa, how's it going? Good. How are you, Ant? I'm really well, thank you very much. Um, I heard you just say off air that this is the first podcast you've done for nearly a year, so yep. hopefully uh, not too rusty. <laughs> hopefully not, no. No, how's it been going? Everything going well? Yeah, just, um, well, obviously it's me last year of six forms, just been focusing on exams and things like that, but still kind of trying to keep in touch with the community a little bit, so been really enjoying it. Excellent, excellent. Right, so we'll crack on into it about Alex Neil and and Tony Mowbray, really. I mean, obviously, if you cast your mind back, what, two weeks ago, Sunderland have just come off the back of beating Stoke 1-0, um, you know, continuing what was a great start of the season, a great kind of tenure under Alex Neil. I think he played, what, about 20 league games, lost two. Um, so just a, mass, a massive, you know, high. And then we find out, really, on the Friday, isn't it? It's a long kind of conversation about, obviously, he doesn't turn up to a press conference, he's in a meeting, takes training and then we find out about two hours that he's on the on the train or on the on the bus or whatever down to Stoke. I mean, describe your feelings about that because it just comes as a bolt from the blue, doesn't it? 
100%. It was, like, so sudden at first. It was, like, when you see those, like, stupid Twitter accounts, I guess, giving rumours, you know, oh, it's one of them. Like, why would he do that for? Like, but honestly, to me, it made no sense, especially because we just beat Stoke as well. It just seemed so, as you were saying, just out of the blue. And I think it really did shock the fan base a lot as we didn't expect it coming I think we thought we had a really good manager under Alex Neal and for that to end so suddenly when we were on such a good run I think it was really shocking because it's just like we can never have anything nice and it was just kind of like that feeling all over again I think you're right that we we're just not we're just not kind of allowed to enjoy ourselves just for one season um but obviously his tenure got us promoters um up until that Stoke game, you know, up until that week, you know, probably one of the best managers we've had since probably Sam Allardyce, who, who left under similar circumstances, but that was for England, not Stoke. But yeah. just describe his tenure, really. Like, obviously, he came in in January, wasn't it? And we just lost to Bolton 6 0. Uh, Mike Dodds and uh, Mike Proctor tried to take over the best they could. We were playing some pretty dire football. Jimmy and DeFore came back um, and then got put on the bench. But then Alex Neil came in and a slow start, but got us got us promoted. So up until that Stoke game, I think everything was just hunky dory, wasn't it? Yeah, I think definitely when he first signed as well, there was a lot of kind of, I know, I think lots of people were kind of a bit disappointed. Um, but obviously you got Norwich promoted in the 14-15 season, so you've got to remember that. And I think mm-hmm. you'll no matter what people will say about Alex Neil, I feel like you always look back at that promotion just with fond memories, really, like just being at Wembley, all the Sunderland fans together, finally getting promoted. And he really got us playing proper football, like nice football to watch, you know, keep it on the ground, which is where I think we definitely play our best. Um, he really did, I feel like, put a good structure, I guess, into the club. And he said it was one of the best, group of players he's ever seen in terms of like getting along and things like that which made it so weird when he left because he had nothing but high praise to say about the squad but I think obviously and with the promotion was really really like really good but then I guess kind of ended on a sour note which is which is a bit sad because he did do when you think about a promotion for the club and it was really good but I guess all good things have to come to an end and in this one it was a bit of a sour end not the end probably we would have hoped for. It kind of reminds us of, of um, is it Rob Edwards who was at uh, Watford at the moment and he got Forest Green promoted and then there was this whole hoo-ha that he, he decided that he didn't want to manage Forest Green in in League One, jumped ship to Watford who you know apparently they've tapped him up or you, you see this happen all the time don't you with with managers who are seemingly in the perfect job. I mean I thought this was the ideal job for Alex Neil. I thought Alex Neil was ideal for Sunderland decided to leave. Do you think there should be something in place where the club who are kind of getting, you know, kind of the victims of it, it, it gets some sort of compensation? I don't know if Stoker paid us any money for Neil. He was on a rolling contract, but it seems a little bit kind of harsh, doesn't it? And it just it just doesn't really seem fair. Yeah, it it really does, especially like in the middle of a start of our think a great season we've had no it's only like a few games in but we have I think really came in our own I think especially with um clubs such as if you look at Forest Green being in League One a bigger club like mm. wait a bigger club is in like a club I guess in a higher division Watford coming in that is quite detrimental so maybe I know obviously in academy football to have the rule where if you're taking I guess a player from a League One maybe cat three academy into a cat one academy there's mm. a certain amount of compensation that has to be paid you could, I guess, have the same ruling with managers. That's something, I guess, the FA could look into if needs be. But 
at the end of the day, I think clubs do need to be proactive. And I think this is something that's just shown that you can never predict what's going to happen next. Um, I know Alex Neal talked about maybe not getting backed enough in the transfer window, which I think was a big topic, I know, on Sunderland Twitter. Um, we'll, we'll definitely come on to that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was... I have I have a lot of opinions on that one, but we'll get into that later if um, needs be. Oh, 100% we will. Um, I want to just talk about the Roland contract kind of situation. I mean, obviously, it comes in, in in January. We aren't in a promotion position at all. I think we're just outside the playoffs. Uh, obviously, just lost to Bolton. I think we lost to Doncaster, didn't we? Cheltenham. Um, you know, we were on a, a, a really, you know, downward trajectory. And then, you know, what happened, happened. Um, do you think the club could have done a little bit more like with... With Alex Neil, I know Christian Speaks come on said he was offered a new deal, this, that, and the other. He'd accepted it, but he was still on a rolling contract. Now, when Sunderland have got promoted and are finding out a league one, they've got a manager that they think is going to be in place for a fair few years. Unless something's gone on behind the scenes, I'm fully expecting a club to say, right, there's a three-year contract on the table. I don't know if that's been the case or not, but are you a bit surprised that that wasn't maybe talked about sooner? Yeah, 100%. I feel like as soon as we've got we got promoted, we have a good squad, there was good morale. That's the time where you should be offering, I don't know, a higher wage, a bigger contract. But then again, as you were saying, I guess we'll never know what's really gone on behind the scenes. I guess that's kind of between Speakman and Neil and the club. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, it just it's just common sense, really, when you have a manager who's doing well, the squad's thriving. Surely you want to build on that and make sure that there is a longer contract in there with obviously benefits for the manager. Um in order like as an incentive to keep him at the club but I guess things just didn't go right I know the club released a statement saying that they have been trying to negotiate a contract with Alex Neil but then again you don't know what's happened behind closed doors you know what's really gone on between those contract talks what he was offered and things like that so I definitely think from an outside perspective as a fan we can easily say you know yeah get that contract on the table three Mm -hmm. years done but maybe from the inside of the club there was a few whispers or it's hard like it's I guess it's harder maybe to get the deal done because as you were saying you never know what what goes on um so I think you just kind of need to remember maybe everything that Alex Neal said everything that the club said might not be a hundred percent true and there's always two sides to the story yeah I think both try and save face as well don't um right we'll get into the the backing which you know he's kind of said wasn't wasn't there for him, but you know what? We, we've all been told what's happened since Christian Speakman's took the direct rough football position at Sunderland. The, the kind of model is to bring in young players, develop them at Sunderland, eventually sell them on for a profit, which we've seen with great success at Brentford, at Brighton, you know, at, at you know, Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, they've just bought, they've just got £60 million worth of profit for the best striker in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've seen that kind of model happening. Obviously, Christian Speaking tried to do that at Birmingham, wasn't given the, the correct resources, but he's known for bringing up, you know, Drew Bellingham, who has gone on to be a fantastic player. Um, so that model that's always been in place, surely that gets told to Alex Neil on day one when he's, when he's got what he's got bought in. Now, we understand that Alex Neil's wanted to sign experienced players to help with this youth it's been kind of kiboshed and said no but surely as a manager you know there right our model is this what's the point in going to ask for say a John Ruddy which has highly been you know touted that that's who he wanted to be our uh, reserve goalkeeper other than um, other than Bass who's came in so as a manager there you kind of are hamstrung aren't you like 
what yeah. what else but but also he should know the model so just kind of your reactions on that really yeah it's kind of, it is it is a very hard situation to be in um as as like you were saying i feel like christian uh christian speakman's made it clear from when he first came to the club what the model is if you kind of look at the likes of brentford even in i guess you could use carl winchester as an example yeah. captain for forest green came and had a brilliant season with us in league one getting those lower league lower league players and building them up to a good standard and selling them on especially with um academy talent you look at Ajax they have a very similar model as well um but that has been communicated throughout the club from I guess the young academy boys up into the first team I presume so I feel like Alex Neal obviously has to know the situation it's been publicized as well so he can't even say I guess that like he didn't know or that he thought he'd have a bit more backing in the transfer window because this was the model what was going to go on now Personally, I think it's a very sustainable model of being very successful with Brentford. If you look at the likes of like mm-hmm. Ivan Tony um, doing absolute bits for Brentford. But um, I think it's, very, as I was saying, I think it's very sustainable and I think it's the way forward as a club. And I think you obviously need your experienced players in there um, in order to, I guess, kind of help bring up and develop the younger players. But I feel like a young squad, we play ex, we're going to play exciting football, these new mm-hmm players we've got in French internationals that is a very exciting time for the club and I feel like although you wanted maybe someone a bit more experienced I think he needs to maybe realise a bit more that this is where the future of the club's going he's been told that and it is hard especially when you have I guess this very specific playing style as a manager he does know what he's doing when you think about it. he has got Norwich promoted so he does have it in him um but I guess if Christian Speakman wants that model, that's what's been put in place at the end of the day. And if that's not for him, if that's the reason why he wanted to move on, then fair enough. I guess that model's not for everyone, but it seems to fit the style of Tony Mowbray a lot more. Yeah, and, and the model is working to to a, to a degree where if you look at Speakman's signings, um, especially in the last year or so, we've had more hits and misses. Obviously, the Jermaine Defoe thing aside... We've, we've nurtured some, you've mentioned Carl Winchester, who gone on to have a very good season last year before he got injured. He's now, you know, gone to play football in League One, which I have absolutely no problem with. But I think eventually all Sunderland fans have got to get used to the fact that if you get attached to a player at the minute, like say Ross Stewart, who, you know, is our best player, you know, if we sign him to a new deal and he goes on, you know, even this season, because we've got an option to extend his contract by a year, but say he has a good January, good good season up until January or even beyond, and the team comes in from in pre-season and offers say 10, 12 million. That's 12 million profit we paid, you know, 300,000 for him. So for me, that that kind of idea is it's quite lost on quite a lot of uh, Sunderland fans, really, because mm-hmm. we've never done that. You know, we've never yeah. bought players to sell at the profit. We've normally been buying kind of players who came here to retire, you know, the likes, and yeah. I'm not going to say anything bad about John O'Shea, who thought he was brilliant, but Danny Graham, who bled the club twice, you know, mm-hmm. Fabio Barini, really, who came after a loan spell, was brilliant, but then when he came permanently, wasn't so brilliant, you know, Jeremy and Lenz, and all these players, Jack Rodwell, for instance, Will Grigg, and we've we've ended up making a massive loss on these players, um, and now we've got, you know, the likes of Dan Neal, you know, the likes of, you know, Edward Michu, if he makes a grade, um, Ibrahim Barf, he makes the grades. Um, you know, we're looking at uh, even if we sign someone like Ellis Sims, um, and you would sell him on for a profit, it 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 makes Sunderland sustainable and makes us give us 
that challenge for pushing into the Premier League. So I don't know. I, I just think the model is is a sound one. I would like to see one or two more experienced players in. Of course, I would, but I'm yeah. happy to go with the flow. I'm, I don't know about you. I think what people need to realise, the model's not always going to work. You can do mm-hmm. so much scouting, but you can never predict how a player's going to develop really at the end of the day. You can give a good estimate, mm-hmm. but you never know if that player's going to stay at a certain level, certain other players accelerate. So, for example, I can say George Dobson, it wasn't the best signing for us. We looked at him, young lad, captain of Walsall, didn't work out. But it works out. There's so many other instances and examples where it has worked out. And it is sad to see some of your favourite players go. But we've we've been, as a club, losing so much money these past few seasons. Mm-hmm. If you look at like parachute payments have gone, if you look kind of um, how much loss we make when, for example, buying players and selling on, as you were saying. Um, I think as a club, it's time to start to be sustainable. Obviously, a very young owner in KLD. I think, as I was saying, it's a very exciting um, time for the club. It's a big change. I know it's definitely going to be something that a few fans are going to have to get used to. But I think this is the future of football. I think lots Mm -hmm. of small clubs are going to start to do this. Um, And I think we're kind of ahead of the curve, really. I know lots of clubs have been doing it before us. But I think we just need to trust Christian Speakman. He's very about the, um, he has a very industrious narrative. He always talks about the North East being an industrious place and how he's wanting to get hard work and players and young players who do need to prove themselves. So they, if you think about it, they could maybe even be more, inject more enthusiasm than an experienced player. Obviously, you still need those experienced players to help nurture them and steady the ship. But I think it's, as I was saying, a very sustainable model. And I think it is the way forward, not just for our club, but for most of football. Yeah. And I mean, because there's only so much money you can throw at it. You know, eventually it comes back to bite. When you look at Leicester at the minute, you know, they they won the league, you know, with all that money that they threw money at staying up the season after because they didn't have a great season. But they've spent a fortune and now they haven't got a pot to piss in, really. The, The whole ownership structure is, is wrong there and, and you look at what's happening to them at the minute you you look at Fulham you know who spent an absolute fortune came back down twice and it looks as if now they've finally got themselves in a position where they could be sustainable but even Forrest at the moment who have, have bought by like 21 players and have spent a it's fortune crazy. what happens if they go down I mean like what happens there they're just gonna they're gonna be bankrupt aren't they they're gonna I hope, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be relying on these parachute payments to get them back again, but it's such a gamble, isn't it, where if you yes. throw in that money and it doesn't work, like I say, Manchester United at the minute are, are spending fortunes, Chelsea spending fortunes. If that doesn't work, there's, there's issues, isn't there? Exactly. Uh, Nottingham Forest is a very, I find it absolutely fascinating. I know the, I know, um, the owner was saying they were going to invest as soon as they get into the Premier League. Obviously, mm. I can't comment on how carefully they've scouted the players, but the amount of signings they've made and maybe not offloadings, it's ridiculous. Like, there's jokes on Twitter all over about it. I'm pretty sure it's like a 22-man squad. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you think if they do go down, how are they going to be able to, I guess, provide wages for those players? Because they're not going to be on, you know what I mean, like championship. No, not all, yeah. Wages. Um, it's absolutely crazy. Um, obviously, I hope they stay up Nottingham Forest. Our fans are really great. But I just think... I'd, I, it makes me think how much scouting and how much, I guess, careful consideration went into making those decisions. Because from the outside, it seems quite reckless. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, we'll, we'll talk about the, the money side of things. You're looking at, at Newcastle as well, who broke their their transfer record on Alexander Isak, who is a tremendous player. You know, don't get us wrong, but they're throwing money at it. And I know they've got money to throw at it, but we saw what happened to Chelsea as well, where sometimes that money might not be there forever. So I just think you've, you've got to have the balance, I think, of bringing, bringing in the youth as well. And also, you know, spending wise, which I think is what we're doing. I, I quite like the model, um, to be honest. But we'll, we'll go back to, to Alex Neil, and I think personally, I don't know what your thoughts on it. He's never quite grasped the club itself. Like we were desperate for a manager. He was desperate to get back into work. He saw it as an opportunity. He's done well, but then he's never quite. He's never moved up. We know, and he, he only lives in the northwest. It's not a million miles away. And he's, you know, he's always been quite off with the press, especially the local press. You know, I know Nick Barnes relatively well. I know he's had his issues with him. It's just, I don't think he's never quite bought into what the club meant. And it doesn't, looking at his track record now, it doesn't particularly shock us as much as though the Friday it did. Now it kind of like, we probably could have seen that coming. Yeah, especially, um, as I was saying, the model that's kind of been projected onto the club I guess given to the fans as well kind of like a what like I remember when um the season started and the video came out of being like being an industrious city and being all mm-hmm. as one I feel like you can't really promote that model when your manager's not investing in I'm not I'm not saying he needs to go around the city and be this like you know massive role model meeting everyone but I feel like moving to the area where you're working is pretty standard and not even to do that, it is a bit kind of ruins, I guess, what the club have been trying to put together these past few years. I think we mm-hmm. saw it with, I know um, Rhys James, when he played up here, um, left back, obviously, I thought he was a solid player. I don't think he ever moved up to the area, actually. So it's kind of been a problem with a couple of players mm-hmm. um, these past few seasons. I think um, Tony Mowbray, obviously, being a local lad, I think it'll really resonate. And obviously, he's going to live in the area. So hopefully, we can kind of get that get that idea of being as one as a club back on track again. Without being kind of arrogant about the, the stature of something, because look, we, we are a big club. We're you know, Premier League stalwarts, really. And, and yeah, we've had a fall from grace. But you look at that, we're, you know, we've got 36,000 fans still coming in you know, every week. Um, you know, we've got a fantastic academy facilities. I mean, I know you, your brother's doing, doing things at the academy at the minute, isn't he? So you'll obviously have a, a big kind of insight of how good the academy is. Um, you know, great, like I say, a brilliant stadium. And it needs a lick of paint. It needs, you know, it needs bringing it, the, bringing it the modern world a little bit. But, and, and like you said, an industrial kind of setting. So for me, I don't think Alex Snail will manage a club as big as us again. And that's not being arrogant. I just don't see Stoke as a bigger club than Sunderland in stature, if you know what I mean by that. Yeah, no, I, I, do, I do get what you mean. I think it was just such a weird move. I think as fans, it's always going to be hard for us to understand. And I guess we'll get to never know the real truth. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's things going around. Alex Neal's wife's from Stoke. Obviously, they are based in the northwest. So if it was for family reasons, maybe. But it was the fact that we beat Stoke literally a couple of weeks before and I again not being arrogant but I, I could see us placing higher than Stoke in the this league season. Yeah. this season yeah yeah and honestly it was just 
it was so puzzling at the time. It was like kind of need to sit back and reflect and think about it. But yeah, it's really funny, like as just so unexpected. A lot of people have said that he's gone for the money. You know, obviously Stoke are a, a well-financed club. You know, the one by the Courts family who own Bet365. So obviously they are, um, you know, gaining a profit nearly every year. Um, you know, I'm sort of talking about the Courts family, not so much Stoke, but you think he's been tapped up? You know, obviously we've we played Stoke the week before, beat them 1-0. I've had, you know, friends who, who have been down there said that Alex Neil spent the majority of the match beforehand watching Stoke train, They're like in the warm-up. We've had we've had Nick Barnes say it's the first time Alex Neil's ever shook his hand. And the last time that happened, the manager shook his hand was David Moyes. And David Moyes left the next week. So do you think it's kind of been sorted before that result or a couple of days after? Because it, it was quite weird. If you're going to sack a manager, which Stoke did with Michael O'Neill after a bad result, you sack him on the night or the day after. You don't sack him on a Thursday. I just think it's been kind of it's been kind of sorted before that game. Um, and, I, and I kind of think it's been a little bit, a little bit backhanded. Yeah, see, see, I've, I've, I didn't actually think of it that way, but now, now, like you've kind of explained it, I guess it does make a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. as I was saying as well, obviously Alex Neil being from the area, his wife being from Stoke. If you think about it, it's kind of like the move, I guess, that would make most sense for him in terms of, I guess, money and then mm-hmm. where the family's based. But honestly, I never thought about it like that. It's like. Yeah, that, that that is really really strange. Yeah, uh, it, it might be a conspiracy theory, but that's that's just me. I, th- I think it's been, I honestly think it's been touted that maybe in pre-season and they just haven't had, they wanted to give Michael O'Neill a go because Michael O'Neill is a good manager, and I think they they gave him the resources to turn it around. They had a decent transfer window. Obviously, Dwight Gill's gone in there. He's a good player. I think yeah. it's a Baker or Barber who's come in and was an excellent player to be honest. They have got good side and. He obviously hasn't been able to turn it around, but I think he was always the next one in. Because if you look, if you watch, like every time a manager gets sacked, there's always like a, a book, isn't it? Like a, um, whoever's going to be the favourite, and whoever's the favourite first never gets the job. You know, I can remember um, when when Lee Johnson got sacked, Roy Keane went into like ten to one on to get it, and yeah. you know it turned out we weren't really talking to Roy Keane. And then obviously Alex Neil gets it. Alex Neil originally, this is just after Mike Neil got sacked was heavy odds on favourite. So I think it's been coming for quite a long time. But um the only last question actually about Alex Neil is do you actually wish him well or are you are you a bit bitter? Like Oh it's it is like so it cause I do think he's truly done us over completely. But then mm. you think of like promotion and you're like oh, like it was just like I just always the final whistle at Wembley and like everyone's like just Wonderwall always sticks mm. out to me. Wonderwall at Wembley, but like, I think you're all. I think you're always going to be a bit better. Um, I know some people are more better than others. Um, but yeah, I think it's just so so sudden. Then you look at Preston as well with the twelve-month rolling contract, and you're a bit like, so yeah, no, no, I am a bit better. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't wish him well. I respect him for what he's done for us as a club. Um, which I think is very different. But no, I'll I'll always be better. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have understood it if it was a bigger club than Sunderland, if it was, you know, a premiership side, it just sacked the manager. No, I think Leicester, if, say if Leicester sacked Brendan Rodgers and he got off the Leicester job, you've got to put your hands up there and say, that's fine. We saw it with Big Sam with, with England. 
you are never going to turn England down. You know, he's, he's an English man and it's your dream to manage England. That was always going to happen. Um, you know, I blame Roy Hodgson and Iceland more than, more than I blame Sam Allardyce. Um, you know, Harry Kane on corners springs to mind on that. But to leave a club that is quite, I think it's quite like certain that we're on the turn. You know, we've had a horrible, horrible, you know, four or five year, but the club is turning very slowly, but we are building our way back. But we've had a great start of the season. I don't think we're going to go down. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll be all right. I'll, I'll happily take 15th or higher or, or anything like that. Um, a nice, series, a nice season of consolidation will do. But to leave us for Stoke, I just think I just don't think he's got the ambition to be a top level manager. Um, I think he'll always go for what seems to be the better deal at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think long term he'll never manage a club as big as Sunderland again. And if that sounds arrogant, I am sorry, but <laughs> the, the proof's in the pudding. You know, we've seen what's happened yeah. with, you know, we've seen what happened with the likes of Lee Johnson, Jack Ross, who have struggled since they've left Sunderland. You know, um, you know, Lee Johnson managing Hibs at the minute has had up and downs. Jack Ross has been sacked at Dundee United. Um, Phil Parkinson's managing a non-league, so you know, albeit for the richest club by a mile in non-league. Uh, he hasn't got them promoted, so you know these these guys don't go on to bigger and better things, and I don't wish them that well either. And that <laughs> might sound bitter and, and twisted and horrible, but leave us like that, then you deserve all you get, I think. <laughs> but we'll, we'll crap on. We'll talk about his his successor, um, Tony Mowbray. I think again that was pretty much sorted out relatively quickly. There wasn't other names, other Liam Manning, I think was was in the frame, which I think long term will be a great appointment if we if we could get him eventually. But mm. Tony Mowbray was was installed um last Tuesday. Um for me, I think it just makes massive sense. You have got a local lad, he knows what the Northeast's all about. You know, I know he's played for Berber, but we'll let him off. <laughs> um but he gets what the the kind he did that this at Blackburn where he had to sign young players and sell them for profits and I don't think them profits were necessarily coming down to him, you know, mm. where they weren't getting drip fed through the club. I think they were just going back to the Venkis bank account. But I think it's a it's a sensible appointment from from Sunderland uh, to bring someone of his um, experience and his quality uh, in at the club. I think it's a yeah. it's a good appointment. I think I know a lot of fans were disappointed. It's a very realistic appointment. I think it's going to be he's going to be great for what we're trying to do here, as you were saying, being able to bring through those young players. I know loads of people will be like, oh my god, Bielsa, Bielsa at the club, but like, <laughs> he's let, never going to come. Never, never happen. <laughs> um, but I think he's the appointment that makes more sense, and I think he'll obviously he resonates with the area, and I think he'll really be able to understand us as a club. And he's just so honest. Like, he got manager of the week the other week, and he was, like, not going to lie, like, I, I didn't even really do anything. Like, he just, I just I just think he's the right fit for us. I think, well, I, I was going to say, I've never really said that about, I guess, a manager before, because I, I was a bit, it's a bit, like, neutral with Alex Neal when he first came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, same. With him, with him being, obviously, in the area, um, going through the young model before obviously you look at I know Blackpool loaned in Harvey Elliott and they've had loads of young talent at the club Um I'm hoping that that can continue with Sunderlanders I think it's something that'll be really good for us yeah and, and then what he will bring in as well that he'll have contacts um, where in, in January once we get you know once we get the World Cup and everything out the way I think he'd be he'd be on the phone straight away wanting to bring you know the likes of players I know you'll speak to Christian Speakman about it as well but 
I think I think they'd be fine. And obviously, we won our first game since he took over. Uh, a really good win over Rotherham. Uh, not so good on Monday night against Middlesbrough. Um, I thought we were poor. Um, yeah. Thought we're a little bit. Obviously, the the massive massive talking point was Ross Stewart missing missing mm-hmm. out, but he got injured in the warm up, and it's quite difficult when you've spent a week planning for Middlesbrough, planning your formation, planning your you, you know your players and your strategy to see your talisman break down 10 minutes before the start of the game. It's very, very difficult. There's, there'll be no plan B there because you don't plan for a plan B when, you, when you're when doing that kind of thing. So a difficult one. I know it was a disappointing result, but I think it'll be, I hope it's just a flash in the pan to be honest. It was just a, one of those nights, I think. Yeah, um, obviously. I think the I think the squad just had a bit of a genuine shock. Mm-hmm. In, I, think, I think he scored like five and seven, Ross Stewart. We can't deny he's a big, he's a big player for us. And I think... We did look a bit lost without him. Um, he's going to have a scan on his. Um, he's going to have a scan on his thigh, I think. Not too. The honest. By the sounds of what Tony Mowbray says, they're honestly not too sure. He's like could be out for two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, depending on what grade it is. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Dennis Serkin as well in the same position, and it is a bit. It's a bit annoying getting injured this early into the season. Um. But at least we've spotted it now. At least I mm-hmm. guess it's happened now and we're gonna treat it instead of maybe, I don't know, playing him injured, then I'm gonna be out for like ten weeks. Yeah, and at least it's not gonna happen what happened last season where we had, you know, the likes of Callum Doyle who who did get, you know, eaten into the ground really, you know, Lee Johnson worked him like a like a pit pony bless him and he was he was knackered on he I remember watching Fleetwood at all and he just he looked so slow and I think that happened with Dennis Serpent as well. At least we've got some players who can come in. I know Ross Stewart is irreplaceable. You know, it's like taking Harry Kane out of Spurs. You know, we're going to be worse off because, you know, Ross Stewart is our play, he's our player maker. <laughs> Even though he's a striker, you know, he comes in deep. He's passing the ball left, right and centre. He's a fantastic player. You know, he's he's a level above this this league, to be honest. And we are going to miss him. Um, but I think Alice Sims, I, I think he's all right. You know, I, I, I know a lot of people were giving him abuse yet, uh, last night. He looks lazy and he does look slow and cumbersome, but... He's not a Ross Stewart type of striker. He's more of a porter. So when we bring someone in around him, you know, I think we should be all right. And obviously we've got young Elise who can come in for certain. So at least we've got like for like replacement. So it's, it's not too bad, but I think if any more go down at the weekend, we're going to be a yeah. little bit worried, I think. So would you like to see a few of these new lads come in? Obviously Mishu has never made the squad. Um, Benet never made the squad. Hasn't made the squad. He's been here a month now and he hasn't made the squad yet. Um, and obviously uh, Bar as well, who hasn't made the squad. So you expect to see them coming in sooner rather than later. 100%. I think there was so much excitement around them, especially with them, um, obviously, the signing announcement at half time. I think the fans do want to see them play. And I think with that much excitement around them, I, I think there will be a bit of pressure on them when they do first come mm-hmm. to play. But I think I think the fans need to stick with these lads. Obviously, they're still really, really really young and they're developing all the time but I'd love to see what what they can do and what they can add to our squad I think they'll be really hungry I think they'll be wanting to prove themselves especially in um, an English league so I'm really excited to um, see them play yeah I don't think many of them will come in on Saturday considering we've got Millwall who are a rough and tough kind of team you know I think we're wanting you, you want the likes of Corey Evans to be fit for that and I suppose Daniel gets his gets himself stuck in now. He's got a bit of experience. Um, but going back to kind of the transfer window, there's a lot of controversy. Well, as being said last night about why didn't we sign another striker when we've only got two fit strikers and we play with two up front, which is a good point. 
But for me, who are you going to realistically bring in who's who's going to know he's going to be sat on the bench all season? So it's quite a, a conundrum, isn't it? To, it's easy to point the blame, but realistically, who are you going to bring in who's going to be saying, right, I'm on the bench for all season? It's it's difficult. Yeah, obviously, I know it is it is a bit of a panic when you try to get injured. I know lots of people are talking about a third striker. Um, an option could possibly be, I think he's called Max Thompson in the under yeah, yeah. scoring, like seems to be having the season of his life and like he's only <laughs> he's only played a couple of games but he's always an option and um, I know the I know the under 23s they came back to draw 3-3 didn't have a great start of the season at home mm-hmm. but um I feel like we have got some real talent um which again the model it's all about the model I feel like yeah. we, can bring, we can bring them up and give give them minutes and see how they do I guess um so we do have people in the youth squad who could maybe take that role. Obviously, they're not going to be as experienced and maybe we could look to get a free agent in. I know Speakman has been saying that. But um, I think there's always an option. I think it's something we just have to, we have to trust Speakman, Mowbray, people who are in charge, just have to trust they're going to make the right decision. Yeah, and, and then one line on Thompson, we actually paid money for him. So he's not coming as a free or anything like that. We paid to sign off Burnley. So, yeah. And I know a lot of Burnley fans were quite disappointed to see him go. They think he's got like a fair bit about him. So fingers crossed. I think he I think he'll be the one who makes the step up. I don't think they'll sign a free agent. Um you look at the free agent list as well, there's there's not many. There's Matty Vidra who Andy good championship. Oh. Yes, Sandy Carroll who you know, if he wasn't a mag, I would I would happily have him, but he's got a terrible injury record and he's a mag. Um so yeah. and he probably want a lot of money. So I don't think that's viable. Matty Vidger, I think, would be an ideal candidate, but he's injured until January. It's no point. Um, plus, I think what we're looking at as well, and, and a lot of people have kind of forgotten about this, we haven't got that many games left until the World Cup starts when, and we have a break. So, you know, you're looking at if we get into November and then the squad has a rest for, you know, a, a month, because uh, I think there'll only be uh, Bennett who goes to the World Cup. I can't think of anyone else who will be... Um, who'll be in this in any of the squads um no <laughs> um and then they'll have a month of thinking right we want a player in this position player in that position so i think they've kind of and i think quite a lot of teams in that's why we had a quiet transfer window especially on deadline day a lot of teams are happy with what they've got until november and then they're going to assess once you know people come back injured from the world cup or whatever so i think it's a it's a risk and reward, I think, with that one, Alyssa, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think it's something people always forget about as well. Obviously, with the World Cup usually being in the summer, I think it's easily forgotten about. And obviously, being in the Championship, we do get that break. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll do us the world of good, give us um, injured players time to get back to fitness. Um, but as you were saying, I, th- I think we'll really reap our rewards from it, um, if the timing's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, just the last one on Sunderland, really. Obviously, we've had a good start this season. Um, you know, got some good wins, especially we're from home. You know, I, I'll, I'll highlight the Bristol City game where we went ahead, but then we went behind and then went ahead again. Um, obviously, the Stoke win, which which now looks uh, a pivotal moment of our season. But the Rotherham game where I thought we looked, you know, by a mile the better side there. And this yeah. is the side of Rotherham who went up four positions above us in the league last season, you know, we were playoff winners, you know, and and Rotherham were unbeaten. So I think that was a great win. Obviously we, we lost on Monday, but we, we we took a side, you know, the last twenty minutes I thought we were very good. 
Um, Norwich, obviously, we lost to them, but we dominated the game for 70 odd minutes. That was and they so had, it was, wasn't it? And they had to bring three three players on Todd Cantwell, Timo Pukki, and um, Aaron Ramsey, who were all Premiership players yeah, last year. You know, covering the same. I was like, I was saying to me, I was saying to me dad, I was like, imagine just like bringing off, like bringing on Pookie and Cantwell mm-hmm. off the bench, like not literally no other sides, maybe with an exception of a few can pull something like that. Oh, off. Yeah. You're not going to get players of that standard coming off the bench very often. So it was, I just thought it was crazy. It was very surreal. It was, wasn't it? I mean, I know we've got Watford in a couple of weeks time and they can do that. But then when you're looking at some of the games that we've got at home up until November, not many of them are going to have the resources to do that. So I think after a hard start, because we've had, had a difficult start on paper as well, but we've we've only yeah. lost three times. And for me, the three defeats are going to be against three sides who are going to be up there. You know, Norwich are now on a massive winning run. I think they've won the last five or six. Sheffield United were top of the league. I think they still are. Um, you know, so they uh, are going great guns. And if we had 11 men on the pitch, we'd have won that game. Exactly. Again, the Sheffield United game was so unlucky. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was just so heartbreaking because we could have gotten something out of that game 100% if we had 11 men on the pitch. Yeah, definitely. I think we would have won. To be honest, I thought we were the first half not until Dan Neil got sent off. Thought we were excellent. Um, so I think. Overall, I think we're going to have a good season. I, I don't think we'll make the playoffs. I, I, I don't. No. I don't think there's enough there yet. But I think it gives us a good standing point to push on in a couple of years' time, where these players that we've got now, who we are developed, um, you know, likes a issue if we sign them, the likes of Bar, who are then are used to this this style of play and everything like that, are going to really thrive. I think you know, give me you now twelfth, and I'll be over the moon. I, I don't know what your your is on it. No, I was talking to my brother about it the other day and we, we both said 12th. We said, you know, 12th, just solid mid-table. Like, my my dad always says, he goes, you know what, it'd just be nice for us to just have a bit of a boring season. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, where we just give ourselves a solid foundation, get used to playing in the league, and then we can progress a bit more next season. It's all about, I think, just creating a good foundation and getting these young players used to the standards, used to the level. And then we can push on and really have a goal next season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we'll we'll move on to another managerial casualty. Um, Scott Parker from Bournemouth. Obviously, Bournemouth lost nine nil to Liverpool, um, which is now what last Saturday now. So yeah, difficult one. And I think I think it's it's very easy to knee jerk after the war, which I think Bournemouth have done. It's hard to kind of defend somebody when they've lost nine nil. But on the flip side of that. Bournemouth had a very, very difficult start to the season. You know, I think they've played pretty much, you know, well, the majority of the top six already, you know, like the big six, Man City and Liverpool, obviously. Um, Arsenal, the hard first game. Um, hard starts, they weren't pulling up any trees, don't get us wrong. But I think they should have given him a go, to be honest. I think he was, I think he's been harshly treated. Um, I don't know about you. Yeah, I, th- I think I was looking, I think I did say his win percentage in the Premier League was 20%, but as you were saying, they've played a lot of the big six. It's been a hard start to the season for them. If they were maybe losing losing 3-0 to the likes of Notts Forest, maybe that's where you're a bit like, oh, maybe maybe it's not the right man. But when it's mm-hmm. a side like Liverpool, Champions League winners, they've got the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold literally can bring quality off the bench no matter what. It is, it is a bit harsh. Um, I 
think I think they could have maybe waited if they played maybe more teams that were going to be in and around them because let's face it, it was probably going to be more of a it was going to be more of a let's just stay up type situation. Um, and then maybe make the decision then. But again, it's a hard start, so it's I think it's very harshly done by. Mm, yeah, and they've got they've got a championship squad as well. Um, they haven't really they haven't done what Forest have done and signed all these players. They've kept pretty much. Um, the same as what they were, you know, the Kiefer Miller in. Um, who, yeah, he's all right, you know, he's a good player, but I don't know if he's Premier League quality. He's not going to get you 10, 15 goals. But since they've obviously, I mean, since they've got rid of him, they drew against Wolves, which I think is a great result. And then there were 2 nothing, two nothing down on Saturday at the Forest, come back to win 3 2. I don't know if you watched the game, but Philip Bingham's goal is an absolute beauty. Um, and it just takes something like that to restart your season. And all they're doing under Gary O'Neill at the minute. But is there anyone out there who you would you would kind of say is suited to the Bournemouth job? It's it's a bit of a difficult one. Yeah, I was gonna say honestly, I I couldn't tell you. I'm not gonna sit here and lie and act like I have a clue about it yeah. because honestly, I have no clue. Um, I just think what Bournemouth need, I think they need to build on um what they've started, as you were saying, draw against Wolves. I think coming back to win three two shows a really strong mentality. And um, I think it shows that there is fire and there is passion in the squad. So I think maybe a manager who can who can match that and really um, bring that on and bring that out with the players, I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah, um, I still think they'll go down. Um, just don't yeah. think they've got enough. I don't think they've got enough. But is there anyone else you can see, you know, quite a high profile? Obviously, Brendan Rodgers is looking as if he's um, teetering on the brink um, at Leicester and... Can't really think of anyone else really being under pressure at the minute. I know Eric Ten Hag probably was, but he's turned that around, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but and also the Wolves, the the manager of Wolves, I mean, they haven't won for quite a long time. I think the one at the weekend was the first win in ten in all competitions. It's going back to last season, but that's a yeah. bit of a conundrum for them as well. But I think Brendan Rodgers is the one. I think he'll he'll struggle to think to keep himself in a job, and that'll be harsh on him and harsh on Leicester. I think. After after so many great, they think they're kind of everyone's second team, aren't they? Leicester after what they've done. Yeah, I I always say I'd support Leicester if I didn't support Sunderland. I think Leicester a team you just can't hate. You just yeah. Can't Apart from the clappers that they have, yeah, you know, <laughs> that should be that should be banned from everything. You know, bar that, you just wish them well, but it's not looking good for them. Um, but yeah, that's probably that's probably about a good. Good way to end our managerial chat. Anyway, we'll go on to Ballham and Ballake. I can't remember if you've done this before, Melissa, but basically what we do is we are we pick any it's any sportsman or sportswoman who have had a particularly good week and one have had a particularly bad week. So obviously, good week is Ball of the week, bad week's Ballake of the week. Um, so you're our ho- you're our host, you're our guest. So I'll let you crack on first with Baller. Um, obviously the news just came out. He hasn't done anything particularly well, but Robert Snodgrass signed for Hearts, um, literally just about two hours ago. All right. Uh, I just I just really like Robert Snodgrass. Really um, good news. <laughs> so really really good news for Hearts. Um, bit of a character. I think he'll be um a good, a good uh, addition to the squad. Um, for like probably Diego Costa. Ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To a just denied his work permit, so you know hopefully he gets that sorted. Uh, fingers crossed for him. Actually, I think he'd be a really good signer for Wolves if he gets if he gets to uh, hits the ground running. There we go. Um, my baller is um, Marcus Rashford um, after the, the weekend. Two great goals. And my FPL team. 
it looks as if he's kind of, you know, found his smile again. I know last year he was struggling a lot with his mental health and a lot of people were saying he needs to stop doing his politics and start concentrating his football. I thought absolute bollocks, to be honest. And it's great to see him. It's, it's great for him, great for my United, and great for potentially England if he gets back in. Um, my FPL team as well. Oh, there we go. Yeah, great for <laughs> the dream team uh, managers around there. I had, I had Erling Haaland in, so yeah, nah. Haaland's <laughs> captain. captain's always the easier to safe bet. It is, isn't it? It is. I mean, I'm, Salah I'm, was captain after that 9-0 win and I was scarred. I was like, it's never been me captain ever again. Yeah, me and my cousin have got one and we had Salah as captain for that week and uh, no, he's never... I've took him out, to be honest. I've had <laughs> enough of him. Um, I am talking a lot because I can't think of a particularly bad one for Ball Lake. Um, it's always bad probably... when you put on the spot. I know, I know. I'm probably going to go for Jack Ross. Um, just with him, I think he's kind of frazzled his brain ever since Sunderland sapped him, and he's obviously gone to Hibs. It hasn't worked out. He's gone to Dundee United, got them into the into the Europa League, and they lost nine nil, and he yeah. got sacked. So I think as well, the Scottish league is Jack Ross's bread and butter. Obviously, everything he did with St Mirren. So going back there and maybe not hitting the ground running, yeah, be a bit of upsetting for him as well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it. Between Jack Ross and Rangers, because obviously Rangers got absolutely stuffed in the whole firm derby, and that's never easy. So it's going to be a mixture between them. Because it's a bit more up-to-date, we'll go Rangers. But, you know, as a, as a close second, Jack Ross. Um, yeah, but yeah, that pretty much brings us to an end. Alyssa, let me thank you so much for coming back on. You know, you're welcome any time. And good luck with your last year of sixth form. Good luck with whatever it is you're doing um, in, in everything, really. So best of Thanks luck to you. So no worries at all. We will be back hopefully next week. Hopefully Gary's got internet. Um, hopefully it's not not too long. Um, but yeah, thanks for sticking with us. Cheers everyone for listening. You all take care. Have a great week and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.